Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Downloads. For more sermons, please visit our website. We know you will be blessed as you listen. Take care and God bless. So, by now you probably have read what I'm going to be preaching on. Jesus and your job. There's alliteration there, JJ. But um, I think this is important, something that we sometimes don't speak about from behind the pulpit. Um, but I believe that now is the time. I've already had a lot of opposition about this particular sermon. So I'm assuming that it's part of God's will. Okay. And um, I had a quick look at my life. Okay, this is, hopefully I'm more than just one dimensional. But I tried to cut up the hours that make up a day or a week. In this case, it's a week. In the life of Richard, maybe I shouldn't be being so open, but that's kind of what it looks like. Um, at general terms, I just want to see if I've got the pointer here. I can't remember what it is. I don't want to push the wrong button here. No, okay. So you'll see that work and sleep, I would love if sleep was bigger, but it's not. Okay, and they make up the bulk of the time that I spend. In terms of formalized church activities, it's still quite a large chunk, but it's actually not. And I am trying to study. I like to believe that I am. And family is probably a disproportionately should be bigger than that. And then I'd like to believe that I have personal time, although that is probably fictitious. Okay, so maybe I'm lying and deceiving myself in this. Um, but... What I want to really point out is that sleep and work are a big portion of our, our lives. And church is, there's activities that we do after hours. Believe it or not, I can often have three or four nights in a row where I'm doing something in the church environment. But that is not where all the action is taking place. It's taking place while I sleep and it's taking place in the workplace. And it's easy to compartmentalize your life at some stage. I don't know if you would agree with me, but sometimes I see my life like this. I have this week, and it's big and red. <laughs> and then I look forward to the Saturday, and hopefully the Sharks win, but once again, I'm bitterly disappointed. Um, and maybe I should put Saturday smaller, because you know, until they win, it's not something to look forward to. And then Sundays is a day of rest in some ways, if you're not preparing a sermon and preaching and baptizing and doing all sorts of other things. Um, but that is one way we could see the week. I don't know. Who sees the week like this, by the way? Okay. Okay. So we're all in this together. We're all wrong, but we're all in this together. <laughs> okay. So I hope you can read this. I'm often criticized for trying to get the text too small. Please, I apologize. I'm working on it. But what if your job was just a job? Okay, and this is a well-quoted piece of scripture. Okay, I tested this on my life group. They are like my practice area. Thanks, guys, for being the sort of trial and error place. But meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Now, that's really inspirational to come from this sermon, eh? So I hope you're feeling encouraged around about now. Okay. So, it, it, look, my heart takes delight in all my labors. Phew. So that's like, hey man, that's great. I'm enjoying what I'm doing. And this was the reward of my toil. So yeah, personal satisfaction is his reward. 
But then he goes on to say, Yet when I surveyed that all that my hands had done, and what I had worked so hard to achieve, it was meaningless. It was chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. So, ooh, tough scripture that, bro. Yeah? Now this is obviously pre-grace stuff. But I have to confess that there are days when I go to work, I don't want to wake up in the morning. And I often think and I go, man, what am I working for? Because the money seems to pour like a sieve through my fingers. <laughs> and what have I got left for me behind after I pay the bills for the month? And it really feels that I'm working to die. And it's going to kill me sooner rather than later. I don't know who's with me. Okay. Amen. Preach it, brother. Okay. So, I want to go into some definitions here. A job. Okay, that's not job as the oak who, like, lost his family and everything. Okay, this is job as in our work. It's what I'm paid to do, how I earn a living. So, a job is, I've got a job, and I've heard this many times. I've got a job. I get paid. I rock up in the morning. I do what I need to do. And then someone must pay me some money for what I've done. I've earned value and so forth. That's a job. Many of us live jobs. We have a job. Okay. That's quite different to work. Now, and I hate to say this, but many of our government departments run on jobs. They don't necessarily produce work. Okay. Work is when there's something productive has come out of it. So, you've, yes, you haven't sat and spent six hours doing solitaire. You've actually produced something meaningful, but there's more to work than that. Work should actually have a lasting uh, benefit. Okay. But actually, let's be honest here. Nothing is really lasting. Okay. And I'm busy studying sustainability at this time. And theoretically, nothing is sustainable because of this thing called entropy. Entropy means everything goes to chaos. So I'm really hitting the tough knuckle things today. Eh? But anyway, if you're an engineer like me or a scientist, you would know about the rules of entropy. That means the universe is spiraling. But that's okay. God has said that there will be an end to this and a new world anyway. But while we're here, we do the different. We do the creating, and I'll talk about that. Okay, but in my lifetime, am what I'm doing, does what I have, have lasting benefit? Now, are you just working, earning money, and is there anything lasting left behind? A legacy. That's a legacy issue. The next one is ministry. Okay, now that's different. Okay, ministry is, what has God set aside for me to do? My special, why was I put on this earth? What is my plans and purposes? Yes, and we can all say, yeah, you know, you're born to bring glory to God, da, 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 and worship God. But actually, God says he's got a job for us to do. We're not here to wait for the rapture. Okay, so I want to talk about that. And in its context, they all have a place. None of them are wrong. Okay, unless you do spend the six hours with solitaire. Okay, but... I like to always begin with the Alpha and the Omega of things. The first mention. Work comes and rocks up right in the Garden of Eden. God was at work first. Yeah, he built and created. And then he assigns man a little job to do. And this is before the fall. And now, because it's before the fall, you know, we are created by Jesus, who is the new Adam. Work was initiated in the Garden of Eden before the sin of fall into sin. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. That can be hard work. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish. Rule. 
they are called to rule. Yeah, that's work, guys. There's a job to do there. The fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, of every living creature not that moves on the, on the ground. So we're actually given a job. And you see Adam goes off and he starts naming the animals. What is he actually doing? He's creating order in the situation. You can't call your cat, eh? Cat. You know, if it doesn't come to you, what's the point? Like dogs are, you know, he's creating order. There's, 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 order is not absolute control. I'll talk about that. But, but he's setting up the structures for ruling in that environment. And that is what we've been called to do. And so you'll see that, that there was a job and work to be done that man was assigned to. And in Revelations, what happens? Now, Gordon, Gordon's not going there to have a holiday in heaven. And we're all going to be there as well. Well, if you're, made a, if you're a born again believer, you'll continue working in eternity. So this is from Revelations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. Okay, so there's also it could be the angels, but there's serving taking place. However, they will see his face and his name, and, and his name will be on his forehead. Okay, so that's us. There will be no more night. There will be no need. Uh, they will not need the light of the lamp, because of the glory of coming from God. And they will reign forever and ever. And they will. Who's going to reign? We, we, God's reigning. You see rulership coming in in Genesis and rulership coming in Revelations. There is work to be done in terms of reigning. Taking, reigning includes authority that has been given to you to get something done. Okay, it's not just I'm limp, I'm waiting. You've got authority. Okay, now, there's me on the right. Not quite. Okay. So, we have this very skewed view at times about what it is between church, the secular, and the sacred. So, you rock up to church on a Sunday, and church is really important. And sitting here and hearing the preacher preaches like good stuff, man. I'm going to take this away and try and apply it to what I've done. Okay, but I'm, okay, they are not, we see them as not equal. We see that, that serving in the ministry, I'm waiting for the call of God in my life. Then I'll go into full-time ministry, and I'll go to Malawi and be a missionary. Okay. There, yes, there are those that are definitely called. I'm not belittling that at all. But that is not the model of the church at all. Okay. Yes, Paul had a call. There was a Damascus Road experience. But what we read through the works of Acts, for example is a mobilized church still in the workplace, transforming the lives of people around them. There's no greater importance between the secular and the sacred. God sees them equal. We are jobs to do, and God sets aside people for particular purposes, but that view is false. So try and get it out of your heads. Okay. What you're doing, Jesus spent 18 years a carpenter, three years in professional ministry. So, do we discount the 18 years of being a carpenter and say that was not preparation for the ministry? That's a false view of what Jesus, who Jesus was. He was fully man. And he was fully God in terms of the Holy Spirit inside of him. Yes, he went through baptism. Baptism, guys getting baptized at the Jordan. And that was a time that demarcated the two periods of his life. 
but we can't negate the 18 years as a carpenter because if you look at his parables, they are 50% of them deal with work situations, money, the good laborer, the talents. They're all work-related stories that relate to the people of the time. They are not holier-than-thou spiritual, you know, great light came and angels. Those are not the parables that we see. They are work-practical parables dealing with the day-to-day. Now, this is Amy's room on the left and my room on the right. Um, Okay, I'm lying from the pulpit. I'm waiting for lightning to come down here. I'd like to believe that that the house is all the one on the right. But anyway, let's not uh, fool ourselves. But work is transformative. Okay, that's quite important to note. Work raises something to a higher level. When God made the world, He talks about the days and how you see them moving and elevating to higher level and higher level. And culminating in, da-da, you guys. Okay, so you are the pinnacle. And after that, he was, he was exhausted, man. He made man. Yokes are such hard work. No, not quite. But, um, <laughs> okay, the seventh day is just to give us a feel that we need to take break and, and time out. But work is transformative. It moves something from a state of chaos, the exact opposite to the entropy that I was talking about, and it creates order. I need to say here that there's a difference between order and control. Okay, what, when you bring too much order and try and take control, you have what we could see in some ways as the, early, the, the death of the church by religion. Because control brings in rules. You can only do this. And you can only do that. And if you are going to be baptized, then we hold you under for three minutes and then lift you up. Okay. No. Order is different to control. Control, order is, yes, there's, order brings clarity and things have its place. And each, it recognizes that some are hands, some are feet, some are legs. That's order. When they find their place, that's not control. When you start telling the hand how you must be a hand, if the head's telling the hand what to do. Okay. So there's a little subtle difference there. We're talking about transformative, transformation through work. Now there's Eskom's value chain. Like I know you believe it's fictitious, but there is a value chain. I worked for Eskom for many, many years, 12 years of my life. Was that a job or was it? Okay, sorry. But um, <laughs> work, what I'm trying to illustrate there is that work is a community endeavor. Okay, that's important. You don't ever work in isolation. You work within a, the, the, the business term is a value chain. So you're dealing with suppliers. You're dealing with sales agents. You're dealing with other agents. You're dealing with co-workers. You're dealing with a boss. You're not in isolation. Even if you lock yourself in a, in a, in a, in a room, someone will still find your soul number. And you'll get the telemarketer nailing you. Okay. That's still part of the value chain. <laughs> I'm just saying that you're not in isolation. There's work is part of God's plan because it involves community. It involves transformation and community. You are not isolated in it. And there's value being added. We like to believe there's value added all along. Work is for providing and sharing. Ephesians 4 verse 28. I bet you many of you have never read this verse before. 
Did you use to make ends meet by stealing? Okay, I'm gonna, there's a whole sermon on that, guys. Please don't steal in this church. I'm a gatekeeper here. We are here to keep the wolves from stealing from the sheep. If you come here and steal, we'll sort you out. Okay, because yes, we are Grace Church. But we are family and there's discipline in the house and there's order. You cannot come in here as a wolf and nail the sheep. Then I'm going to get really angry. There is righteous anger. When people were stealing in the temple, God, Jesus took a whip and he whipped them. They were stealing. And he said, you guys are stealing. So please, don't steal. Okay, I don't want to have to. No, okay. I won't bring out the whip. Okay, that, was a, that was a real side note. I made the point. Okay. Did you used to make ends by stealing? No more. Stop it. Get an honest job. Why? Why must you get an honest job? So you can help others who can't work. Wow, okay. So are you helping yourself? Or are you, why did God want you to work? It's not just a bless me club, guys. You're asked to get a job to help others who are battling. So Jesus, and God, well, this is Paul speaking. There's a massive element of generosity required and a heart issue in the work environment. Alex, don't walk away. Are you condemned? I wasn't talking about you stealing. No. Sorry, come back, Alex. (laughs) Church discipline. We'll sort them out later. (laughs) We are family. Don't worry. All work is by the Spirit of God. Now, we're not having this work, 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 and God's not in it. Now, this is really interesting. I mean, I enjoyed preparing the sermon. I discovered all sorts of things. Okay, yes, I'm learning as well. Do you know that? Yeah. How do we know how to do what we do in our jobs? Because God instructs us. Okay, wow. Okay, that's a big one. Okay. When a farmer plows for planting, does he plow continually? Does he keep on breaking up and working the soil? Duh. Yeah, saying. His God instructs him and teaches him the right way. How does the farmer know what's right and wrong? If the Holy Spirit is talking to him and telling him how to apply common sense. We call it common sense. The Bible calls it God leading him in what he's doing. That means you haven't got rights over your work in a sense. You can't come with this proud thing. I am fantastic. I'm the best. I'm a self-made man. Sorry, bro. That's wrong. You're not self-made. God made you. And he gave you the skills that you need to do what you need to do. Okay, I hope, did I kill a couple of sacred cows there? Okay. He alone, who? He alone makes us adequate ministers who are focused on an entirely new covenant. Our ministry is not based on the letter of the law, but through the power of the Spirit. The letter of the law kills, the Spirit pours out life. That brings us back to that control thing. When you are flowing in the Spirit, you don't try and bring control. You bring life into that situation. And work is about bringing life, not bringing control. Okay, Subtle difference. Through the Holy Spirit gifting. But we must be humble and recognize that our gifts and skills come from God. Work is there to... Now, here's another one. Hey, lots of exciting verses. Yeah, Work is there to glorify the Father... Okay, this is going to be interesting for you. Some people think, I'm here to glorify God. Hallelujah, Lord, I praise you. 
Okay. Yes, we are called to praise God. But what, God, what brings God glory is when you are obedient to what He wants you to do and you fulfill the call on your life. Then you are bringing glory. Let's hear how Jesus did it. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. That's Jesus. How did Jesus glorify His Father? This is, a interest, this is a heavy verse, guys. How did Jesus glorify His Father? By finishing what He was given to do by His Father. So He was given a job, and, and, and God said, Well done, my son. I'm proud of you. You have done what I asked you to do. You have brought me glory by just being obedient. I asked you to do this, and you did it. Hallelujah. And we are the beneficiaries of Jesus' work here. We reap that. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That's why we do communion. We do communion to thank Jesus for what he did for us. Because he did work. <laughs> and that work had eternal value. And we are the recipients of that eternal value. Hallelujah. Man, this is good stuff. Okay, I, I hope you like the beret. Okay. <laughs> Army of God. Okay, just for those who don't know. It. But anyway. We are called to make disciples. Okay. We are called to make disciples. This is interesting thing here. So, work has a purpose. The new covenant, God assigns vocational ministry workers to serve and equip. The vast majority of the rest of his saints, whom he employs in the world, to carry out the work of the ministry. Okay, so you have been called to do what? Do the work of the ministry, which is make disciples. We, those that are serving permanently here in the church, what are they called to do? Equip you to do what? Do the work of the ministry. Okay. So it's not for Bill and Steve to do what? The work of the ministry. It's for them to equip you to do the work of the ministry. Okay. So you can't look and say, okay, Bill is great in preaching, but Bill should never be man alone. And Bill, we are going to trust that, that behind every ministry, there are those that are being equipped to carry on the good work that they're being called to do. So you need to listen to your heart and hear where God is calling you to do. And I believe the last, last week's sermon, there were a lot of people who came up who were convicted and challenged that they are called to a higher calling. Okay, I'm not going to go through all of this text. But some of us will ask the question, you know, I was a non-believer and then I became a believer. Should I stop my work. Surely God has pulled me out of this hellhole that I'm in. <laughs> Who feels like that? Yeah, I sometimes feel like that. And I, there are periods in my life where I've gone through this. And uh, I've got five minutes and we're nearing the end. Okay. But this is Jesus' response. Thank you, Lord. Okay, Paul, sorry. May all believers continue to live the wonderful lives God has called them to live according to what he assigns for each person. Who assigns? God. Okay. What must you do? Continue until you're called into the next thing. So don't like just, you just stop living. No, I'm called to higher purposes, bro. No, that's not what it's saying. If you were a slave, you are now free in Christ. Your circumstances might not have changed, but your heart has changed. If you were free, you're now a slave to God. So... Those that are free are now captive to God because now you're obedient to what God has called you to do in that workplace. If you were a slave, 
Yes, you might be a slave in name, but you're free in Christ. Christ came to give us life and life eternal and freedom. So it says you don't need to change your circumstances. Obviously, if it's abusive, get out of there as quickly as possible. But there's a job for us to do. And I'll go, job, bad text, punished myself, no job. We are called to a higher calling. Work and the ministry. Okay, I'm going to culminate in the end over here. So, what have we got here? Look, I even did the three C's here. But, yeah, so, we've got, what can we do as believers? So, yes, you've heard me talk now, and hopefully I've changed and killed a couple of holy cows, and changed your attitude and perceptions to why you exist and what you're doing in the workplace, where you spend a lot of hours a week. There's a ministry at work. And what is that ministry at work? It's to make disciples, lead people to Christ and make disciples. So there's an engagement within the community. We talked about community. Within the community, you've got relationships. Those relationships are with people, many of them or some of them just don't know about Jesus. There is a ministry there. When Jesus worked into, went into a situation, okay, but I need to talk about three C's after this. Um, there's a ministry of work, how you do it. We are called to create. We are made in the image of God. Making things in the image of God, we lift things to a higher level of order. Okay, not control, of order. When I, I buy my house, I'm building. For some reason, there's some bug in my head that says, make it better. Make it better. I don't know where it comes from, but I'm made in God's image. So I'm always trying to improve something around me. Many of us get frustrated. We look at what we're seeing and it's, oh, I can do better than that. That's right. There's nothing wrong with that. In humility, of course. Okay. But we, that's because we are made in God's image and God elevates through creation to a higher level. So don't beat yourself up about it. Know that you are made in God's image and we are called to elevate things to a higher level. That's through serving, through serving, serving, okay, and not dictatorial stuff, and creating. There's that whole creation element. The ministry to work. That's redemption. You know, Christians redeem environments. We can redeem our politics. We can redeem your workplace. You can sit and you can intercede. As a Christian, heaven has just arrived on earth. When you walk in that workplace, you are the representative of the Redeemer in that place. And the time is now. Your time is now. You've just walked in with the presence of God. He's inside of you. You can redeem that place. I am helpless. No, you've got, you've got a big army behind you. <laughs> okay. Please don't come with a helpless story. I don't buy it. Okay. Because that's contrary to everything the scripture tells you. Then you just don't believe what Jesus did for you and how he redeemed you. You have got a place for redeeming the practice of the policies and the structures. Where there is things that are blatantly wrong, where people are being abused, we are called to make a difference. We are called to stand up and be the voice. Yours is not a place of silence. If guys come and say the country is going to hell, where are you, believer? Is that really God's will? purposes and plans for this country why did you not stand up and talk about it and counteract and say my god is better what can you do to make a difference come let's talk together believer let's rationalize together on how god is actually transforming this country 
Yes, there's pain and there's darkness. But the light shines brighter when everything is dark. That's your time to shine. No condemnation, guys, but don't just sit there. There's a higher calling. For all of this to work, and now I'm exactly on time. Fantastic. But there are three C's. You need to be competent. Now I'm talking to you as a boss. I look after hundreds of people at some stage. And there are times when my, my star shines bright, and my star fades, my star goes bright, and my star fades, and that's okay. My security is in God. It's not in how people see me. But there has to be credibility as a Christian. Jesus had credibility. He expects us to have credibility. You can't go and blow your witness. There are times when I've blown my witness. When I started work, going to have drinks and get motherless drunk with my work colleagues, very difficult to come back and then share the gospel. My credibility is blown. And there have been times when the Holy Spirit has worked within me and I've redeemed those situations. And I stood up for what is true. You know, and I've started prayer meetings at work. And I've shared about the glory of God and the faithfulness of God in my practices. When all hell has happened in the workplace, stood firm and said, God will sort this project out. He will come to the rescue. And he's proven me right and right and right. So there's a place. And I have failed and God has redeemed me at times. But we have to be competent. You can't go there and like, uh, I don't know what I'm doing. People will see that and you lose the ability. So there is work to be done in making ourselves competent. So that we can have a legitimate witness. You can't go there and do a half-hearted job. There is excellence that is required as Christians. We're not called to do a half-baked job. To be lazy. There's character. Jesus looking for a person of character. That means your word is your word. That means you're true to what you say. If you're going to say you're going to do something, you're going to do it. If you're going to be, if you're going to stand up for what is right, you're going to stand up for right. You don't need to run with the herd. We're not of this world. And there's consideration. Consideration means that you have got compassion. It's not about me, 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 me. It's about the community and love. There's, that's a heart issue. It says, Jesus looked, whenever Jesus did stuff, he would look on the crowd with compassion. And he was moved. And what he did was motivated out of love. Not out of legalism, out of love. And so that issue of compassion comes into consideration. Being considerate to those around you. you know, um, To little things, like not opening up the massive tuna sandwich next to your co-worker. You know, or breathing garlic on them. Um, so, and it could be big things, it could be small things, but it's practical. So we talked about practical Christianity here. And I think that was actually... I think I'm going to end off this last point here. I think it's important to know that we do not separate work from the sacred from the secular. God never did that at all. At all. He was fully involved in the practical side of things. And if you look through the New Testament, you will see that many of the church leaders were business people. They ran, they ran the church out of their homes. They were still doing business they were using that business. Read the letter of Philemon, for example. He was a businessman who had slaves. <laughs> and, he, and, and Paul's writing to him to take his, his, his 
his absconding, thieving slave back again, with who had reformed their lives. Uh, it's not a lesson, lesson to take all thieves back. The, the, the person had repented. Um, and so, teach me to do your will. Okay. That's what we, our hearts cry is, Lord, how can I do your will? I know I wake up in the morning, I say, Lord, what is your plan for me today? For you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. It's the Holy Spirit. When we are sensitive to what God is doing around us, we get led in the workplace. And Zechariah, he said to me, this is the word of the Lord. Use the rubber ball. It's easier to rubber ball. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Oh, what a verse. Thank you, Lord. So, I'm going to close off there. And there's a lot of silence, and that's okay. <laughs> and I think, I hope that I've changed some of your perspectives about what you do when you wake up on a Monday morning. Because that's what it's actually about. Um, and I cannot confess openly that I've got this right. Okay, I'm trying, okay, with humility. And there are days when I fail, and there are days when I get it right. And hopefully the days when I get it right are more than the days that I'm failing. Because we do sometimes drop the ball. It does not change my right standing with God at all. I'm in right standing with God, even when I blow it. He is good and He's good. He forgives my sins and we start off in, on a fresh slate. That's the grace of God. Hallelujah. Amen.